the sixth mansion chapter eleven of the interior castle this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Interior Castle or the Mansions by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated by the Reverend John Dalton. The Sixth Mansion, Chapter 11. She speaks of certain desires which God gives a soul of enjoying Him, and which are so vehement and impetuous that they endanger her life. Will all these favors which the spouse has bestowed upon the soul be sufficient to make the little dove or butterfly, for do not think I have forgotten it, to rest contented, and repose in some place where she is to die? No, certainly, she is rather much worse, and though she may have received these favors many years since, she mourns and weeps continually, for every one of those years increases her affliction." The reason is, that as she understands still more and more the greatness of her God, and sees herself so remote from Him, and so far from enjoying Him, her desire is increased the more, and so is her love, too, when she discovers still more how much this great God and Lord deserves to be loved, and during these years this desire by degrees increases in such a way as to cause that dreadful pain which I will now mention. I said years with respect to what that person felt and experienced of whom I spoke. And I know well that God is not to be limited, and that He is able, in a moment, to advance a soul to a much higher degree than is mentioned here. His Majesty is both able to do all that He pleases, and desirous of doing a great deal for us. It happens then, sometimes, that from these anxieties, tears, and groans, and the great impetuosities already mentioned, all this seems to proceed from our love, accompanied with great sensibility, but all is nothing in comparison with this other, of which I am now speaking, because this seems to be a fire which continues smoking, and may be endured, though with pain. It happens then, sometimes, that such a soul, thus burning in herself, upon a very slight thought that she may have, or through a word which she heard respecting the delay of her death, feels, on the other hand, a blow, as if it came from a fiery dart, though she understand not whence nor how. I do not say it is a dart, but whatever it is, it is evident it cannot come from our nature, neither is it a blow, though I mentioned the word, but it wounds more sharply, and in my opinion, not in that part where we feel pain in this world, but in the very depth and inmost recess of the soul, where this ray, which passes away so quietly, reduces all it finds of this earth of our nature to dust. For, during the time it continues, it is impossible to remember anything of our being, because in an instant it binds up the faculties in such a manner that they have no liberty for anything whatever, except for those things which tend to increase this grief. I do not wish this to be considered an exaggeration, for I indeed see I have said little, because it cannot be expressed. This is a rapture of the senses and faculties altogether, and does not tend to make this affliction felt. For the understanding is very quick in comprehending the reason there is to grieve, because the soul sees herself absent from God, and His Majesty helps this at that time by so clear a manifestation of Himself, as to increase the pain to such a degree, that the person who feels the pain breaks forth into loud cries, and though she be very patient and accustomed to suffer great pains, yet she cannot do otherwise, for this torment is not in the body, 
but in the interior of the soul. Hence the person concludes how much sharper its pains are than those of the body, and it is represented to her that the sufferings of purgatory are similar to these, where the want of a body is no hindrance to the soul's suffering, much more than all those men do who live in the body. I saw one in this state, and I certainly thought the person was dying, and no wonder, for one is indeed in great danger of death, and thus, though it may not last long, yet it leaves the body all disjointed, and the pulse then beats so faint, as if one were about to die, and with reason because the natural heat fails, and the supernatural so burns it up, that with a very little more, God would satisfy her desires of dying, not that one feels any bodily pains, though, as I said, the body is so disjointed that, for two or three days after, it has no strength even to write a few lines, for the pains are great, and, in my opinion, the body always continues weaker than before. Feeling no corporeal pain arises from the predominance of the interior sense of the soul. On this account she pays no regard to the body, even should it be torn in a thousand pieces. You will say, this is an imperfection, for why does she not conform herself to the will of God, to which she seems resigned? Hitherto she has not been able to do so, and thus has her life passed away. But it is not the case now, because her reason is such as not to be able to govern itself, nor to think of anything but what torments her. As she is absent from her chief good, for what should she live? She seems to feel herself to be in a strange solitude. All those who live on earth are no company for her. No, nor would I believe those in heaven be, if her beloved one were not there present. Everything torments her, and she sees herself like one hanging in the air, neither able to rest on anything belonging to earth, nor able to ascend into heaven. She is burnt up with this thirst, and cannot obtain water. This thirst is unbearable, and so excessive that no water can quench it. Neither does she desire to have it quenched, except that of which our Savior spoke to the Samaritan woman, but this is not given to her. O oh my God and my Lord, to what estate dost thou bring those who love thee? But all is little in comparison with that which thou givest to them afterwards, and very proper is it that it should cost them much, especially if it should contribute to purify such a soul for entering into the seventh mansion, just as those who are to enter heaven are purified in purgatory. The suffering is quite as trifling as a drop of water in comparison with the sea. How much more proper then is it, for notwithstanding this torment and affliction, greater than which, in my opinion, cannot be found on earth, for this person has endured many afflictions, and yet she considered them all as nothing in comparison with this. The soul perceives this pain is of such great value that she clearly understands she could never merit it. But this perception does not come in such a way as to give any relief, though herewith she bears it very willingly, and would bear it all her life, if God so pleased, though she were not to die once, but to be always dying for it is in reality nothing less. Let us consider too, sisters, that those who are in hell have not this conformity, nor the joy and delight which God bestows upon the soul. They see their sufferings are unprofitable, and that they always suffer, and shall suffer more and more. 
I mean more as to accidental pains, because the torments of the soul are greater than those of the body, and those which they endure are beyond comparison greater than that which I have mentioned here. And these see also that their torments shall continue forever. What will become of these miserable souls, and what ought we not to do and to suffer in this very short life, which is a mere nothing, in order to be delivered from such terrible and eternal torments? I tell you, it is impossible to express how great is the suffering of the soul, and how different from that of the body, unless a person has experienced it, and our Lord himself wishes us to understand this, in order that we may know the better how much we owe him for having conducted us to a state of life, which we hope, in his mercy, will be the means of delivering us from those miseries, and may he pardon our sins also. Let us now return to what we were speaking about when we left the soul in that extreme torment. In this extremity she does not continue long, at most, in my opinion, not above three or four hours. For were it to continue long, it would be impossible for human infirmity to bear it, except by a miracle. Sometimes it has not continued for more than a quarter of an hour, and yet the person has been, as it were, disjointed. It is true that this time it came upon her so violently that she became quite senseless upon hearing only one word, that her life would not yet end. She was then engaged in conversation, it being the last day of Easter, and during all the time she was in such aridity that she scarcely knew it was Easter. To think of being able to resist it would be the same as if one, being thrown into a great fire, should wish to prevent the flames from burning him. It is not a pain which can be hidden, but those who are present understand the great danger a person is in, though they cannot be witnesses of the interior. It is true that whilst people are with her, they are some company for her, but only as if they were shadows, and such all earthly things seem to her. In order that you may see how possible it is, if this should ever happen to you, for the weakness of our nature to interpose here, it may be necessary to tell you that sometimes it happens, when, as you have seen, the soul is dying through her desire of dying, which desire so oppresses her, that hardly anything seems wanting to prevent her leaving the body. Then she fears indeed, and wishes this pain to lessen, in order that she may not die. It is very clear that this pain arises from natural weakness, for on the other hand, her former desires do not leave her, nor is it possible for this pain to be removed, till our Lord shall take it away. This is usually done by a vision, whereby the true comforter both comforts and strengthens the soul to be willing to live as long as his majesty shall please. This is a very painful thing, but it leaves in the soul very great effects, and expels the fear of troubles which may follow, for in comparison with so acute a pain which the soul felt, all others seem to her as nothing. She is so improved thereby, that she would be glad to endure it often, but this she cannot in any way obtain, nor has she any means of recovering it again till our Lord shall please, nor can she resist it when it comes. She has a greater contempt of the world than she formerly had, for she sees that nothing in it helps her in this affliction. She is also much more disengaged from creatures, because she sees that only her Creator can comfort and satisfy her. She is likewise more careful and fearful not to displease God, because she sees he can console and torment whenever he pleases. There are two things, it seems to me, in this spiritual way, which endanger a person's life. 
one is what we have already mentioned and which is indeed very dangerous the other is a very great joy and delight so excessive that it seems to make the soul faint away so that she is very near dying and truly this would be no small happiness for her here sisters you will see whether i had reason to say courage is necessary and that our lord whenever you desire such things may justly say to you as he did to the sons of zebedee can you drink of this chalice i believe sisters we should all answer yes and justly so because his majesty gives strength to him for whom he sees it is necessary and in everything he protects such souls and answers for them in persecutions and slanders as he did for mary magdalene if not by words at least by deeds at last before we die he repays them all together as you shall now see may he be blessed for ever and may all creatures praise him amen end of the sixth mansion chapter eleven